Well, hello, everyone. I want to welcome all of those joining us from Saratoga, those joining from Half Moon, and those at Latham. We're so glad that you're a part of worship today, and so many of you joining us online. We're glad that you've made this choice to be a part of this grace experience. Well, we're in this series called The Pursuit of Happiness, and today we turn a corner. Here's what I mean. Up until now, we've mostly focused on our relationship with God and our attitude toward God. We've talked about acknowledging the fact that we're poor in spirit, that we're spiritually broke and bankrupt. We mourn over that condition. We have a humble attitude of repentance And then we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. All of those are signs of a spiritually healthy person. But all of that is sort of vertical in nature. Today we turn a corner because the next four Beatitudes we start looking at today mostly deal with our horizontal relationships. In other words, how we're going to be relating to people. And that is, of course, vitally important. So today we come to verse seven in Matthew's gospel, chapter five, verse seven, where Jesus said here, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I'm curious, when you think of mercy, what immediately comes to mind? Who comes to your mind? I'll bet for many, it is Mother Teresa of Calcutta, clad in her white sari with its three blue striped border. Mother Teresa, along with her sisters of the missionaries of charity, have become this international symbol of mercy and compassion. And I think most of us, would rank Mother Teresa very highly as a paragon of compassion. But I was shocked this past week to learn that countries have also been ranked in their compassion and empathy quotient. Let me explain what I mean. A groundbreaking study was done through Michigan State University back in 2016 And they studied 104,000 people, to be exact, 104,365 adult people around the world, representing 63 different countries. And here's what they were trying to measure. They were trying to measure the empathy among the people. Guess which country was number one in terms of their empathy and compassion? Ecuador came out number one followed by Saudi Arabia and Peru. The United States came in number seven in that study, and Lithuania came in dead last, okay? So sorry if you're Lithuanian, that's just the way the results came out. And they defined empathy as the tendency psychologically to be in tune with other people's feelings. Now, I'm curious, if you took that test personally, how do you think you would score on compassion, mercy, empathy? You see, here's the thing. The Bible teaches that if a person really loves God, 
it's gonna show up in the way we relate to other people. The apostle John always gets me. I mean, he just, he, he's not real seeker sensitive, if you know what I mean. The apostle John just kind of says it like it is, and here's what he says in 1 John 4. If anyone says, well, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. Not real sensitive, I think you'll agree. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he's not seen. In other words, anybody can claim to love God, but the proof is in the pudding. If we really love God, brothers and sisters, it's gonna show up in our mercy, our compassion, our kindness toward others. So I invite you to go on the journey today as we unpack this beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. First, I wanna talk a bit about compassion as a character trait, a character trait. That's where it all has to start. You see, none of us can cop the attitude when we talk about mercy. Look, that's just not my gig. I mean, I've got, I've got upsides, I've got downsides, and I just want you to know that's just not my temperament. It's not the way I'm wired. I'm just not a merciful person. Years ago, I took the spiritual gifts inventory that Grace Fellowship gives. We have a class called 301 where we give this test, which helps people find out where they probably best fit in ministry. And on that test, you, it's kind of a self-scoring thing where you, you just get honest and you score yourself on all these different gifts anywhere from zero to 15. And there were two or three of them that I scored pretty high on. So I felt pretty good about that. I, I scored high on encouragement. I, I scored really high on leadership and teaching, I think, were the three highest. But when it came to mercy, and mercy is one of those spiritual gifts on there, it's listed in Romans 12, guess what I scored on mercy? One. Pray for me. No, pray for my wife. That's who you really need to pray for. Pray for Debbie, okay? But none of us can cop out and say, look, that's just not my thing. I'm not gifted that way. So let's really be clear on something. None of these beatitudes have anything to do with temperament. None of these have to do with the way we're naturally wired. These are all qualities that God can build in us no matter what our natural temperament is. Now, you would all agree with me that we have different temperaments, right? Some are more placid than others and calm. Some are more high-strung and nervous by nature. Some are more aggressive and assertive. Some are more passive by nature. We all have these different temperaments. And it was a joy to Debbie and me as parents when our kids were growing up to look and go, Debbie would say things like, wow, Allie gets that trait from you. That's just like you. Or she'd say, wow, Chase, Chase really gets that from me. That's the way I tend to be temperamentally. And so let, let me declare to you that temperament, natural temperament, is largely a product of your parents. One is temper and one is mental. And you get, some of, some of you need more coffee, okay? And you get temperamental from that, all right? But 
When we talk about compassion as a character trait, it is not dependent on your DNA in any way. Compassion is something that God can create in you even if you, cre- even if you scored one on mercy like I did, okay? So these are not, when we read these Beatitudes as we're working through them, these are not rules of behavior where we go and go, what, what does God want us to try to do here? No, no, no. These are habits of the heart. They're about attitudes and character that will naturally issue in behaviors. And I think that's an important distinction, a distinction to make. So when we come to these, we're not asking, what am I supposed to do? We're asking, what does God want me to be? Because my behavior will naturally flow out of my character. And by the way, just a little side road here. I I promise to be quick with it. That's essentially the difference between old covenant living and new covenant living. I meet a lot of Christians, professing Christians today, who honestly, when you boil it down, they're still kind of living under the old covenant. Old covenant was you kind of shape people's behavior with rules. And that's why the laws God gave to Moses started with you shall or you shall not do this, that, or the other thing. And although the people said they would obey, they did not obey. They kept falling short because character is seldom shaped from the outside in. But God comes along. And he says through prophets like Jeremiah and through prophet like Ezekiel, he says, look, I'm going to do this differently one day. A new covenant is coming with my people, and it's going to be the other way around. Look at how he put it in Ezekiel chapter 36. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I love verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you. Oh, I like this. And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. How wonderful is that? It's no longer going to be outside in. It's now going to be inside out. I'm going to move you, and you're going to have the want to and the desire to please God. I'm going to change your character, and as a result, your behavior is going to be different as well. By the way, that's why each of these Beatitudes begins with blessed are, blessed are, Blessed are, because the assumption is that you are something first, and because of what you are, naturally you do something. Behavior flows out of being, and that is so important to understand. When God changes our inner disposition and character, it's inevitably going to change the way we live. Our behavior will take care of itself. Now, why am I lingering here on this? Why am I hammering this pretty hard? It's such an important principle to get. You see, it's entirely possible for us to do some good things, but do it for wrong reasons. We talked about it a bit last week. We can give, we can pray, we can fast, 
But it's all for the applause of people, not to really honor God. And Jesus gave examples of that in the Sermon on the Mount. And the same is true with mercy. You know, you know we can actually show mercy to someone on the outside, but inside just be seething with anger? We can, we can. One mother was frustrated with her two sons. They had been fighting and bickering all day long, and finally she'd had it, and so she appealed to the older son. She said, look, I want you to forgive and make up with your brother, all right? Enough is enough. And he said, I'm not gonna make up with him. He hit me first. It's his fault. And mothers aren't beyond guilt trips every now and then, okay, right? And so she appealed to the older boy, and she said, look, Suppose your brother died during the night. Wouldn't you be sorry in the morning if you hadn't forgiven him? And the older one thought for a while and he said, all right, all right, I'll forgive him. But if he's still alive in the morning. <laughs> See, we, we, can, we can do the right things, but our heart attitude isn't changed. God wants compassion to become a character trait. So a little challenge. When you're reading through the New Testament, through the Gospels, I urge you to take this challenge. Read it sometime with this in mind. Look at all the places where Jesus said, or where, where the, the Gospel says, and as he looked at the crowds, he was moved with compassion. Or look at all the times when he, he met, a, he encountered a person, and it says his heart was moved with compassion. Jesus was just super impressive with his compassion. He, he showed compassion to the woman at the well at Sychar when nobody else would. He showed compassion to the Gadarene demoniac and delivered him from all these demons that were wrecking his life. To the woman caught in adultery, he literally saved her from being executed. To a grieving widow at Nain, he stopped the funeral procession and he showed compassion and he raised her son from the dead. And to blind Bartimaeus, he came near, he listened to his cries for help, and he restored his sight and gave him a brand new lease on life. My point is, Jesus' whole heart was a disposition of compassion to people. And what I'm saying to you is that that's what God wants in us. So here's my final word before we turn the corner and begin to think about compassion as a lifestyle choice. When people look at you and me, when people look at the folks who would call Grace Fellowship their church family, I wonder what we're known for. Now, now Jesus, Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. That's what he was known for. I wonder, just wonder, when people look at us, if they go, wow, I'll tell you one thing about those grace people. Man, they really love sinners. Is that our reputation? And if not, why not? See, the truth is, the more we become like Jesus, 
the more our reputation should be one not of pointing a finger of judgment at folks who are unbelievers and judging them, the more our reputation should be one of genuine compassion toward people who are in need of grace just as we are. That's the reputation God's people really need. Well, we talked about compassion as a character trait. I, I want to now spend the minutes we have left and just talk for a bit about compassion as a lifestyle choice. The, the text says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. One of the sure ways to impact the world is just to show mercy to people who are hurting. Can we just have a moment of honesty here in, in the family of God? I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but when it comes to our broader culture, we got a PR problem. I hope you understand that. If you, if you don't understand it, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I don't know where you're really living. We have got a PR problem, and it's bad. I mean, we're accused of being hypocrites. We're accused of being judgmental. We're accused of looking down our nose at others, and we're really no different. I mean, it's a bad PR problem. But here's my point. There's one virtue that impresses everyone in the world. Deeds of mercy and compassion to those who are hurting. Earlier, I referenced Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and she passed away a number of years ago. She was kind of a poster child for compassion. And here's my point. She was respected by almost everyone. In fact, even people who disagreed vehemently with her worldview and her morality, they still respected her. Why? Because hers was a life of mercy to hurting people. And that's, that's just a powerful thing. Jesus told a parable about that. He said there was a guy who'd been hijacked and kind of beaten up on the road to Jericho. And two religious leaders came by and just kind of looked the other way. But a guy of a despised race came by. He bandaged up the man's wounds. He took him to a nearby hotel. He paid for all of his medical expenses. And he said, look, I'm gonna come back. And if there's any more costs, I'll take care of that as well. And Jesus asked the crowd, who did the right thing here? And everybody agreed. Everybody agreed. It was the one who showed mercy. Now, here's my question. To whom do you find it challenging to show mercy? If you tend to be a political Republican and more conservative, and you look across the political aisle, do you find it hard to be merciful to those people over there? Or if you, you kind of pride yourself in being a, a, a little more liberal maybe in your politics and your view of that, do you, do you look across at the others and go, I'm not gonna be merciful with them. Who do you have trouble being merciful with? A coworker who keeps messing up their life? 
Do you have trouble being merciful with a family member who just seems to keep messing up your family get-togethers? You know the one. Yeah, yeah, we all know that one, right? Do you have trouble showing mercy to someone who seems to be kind of more upwardly mobile than you? Or maybe you look down your nose at poor people and go, no, they brought it on themselves. Who do you struggle being merciful with? I would suggest this. I would suggest that when it comes to compassion as a lifestyle choice, I would suggest we start with our family and friends, okay? I'd, if, if, it's, if it's in us and it's supposed to flow out of us, I mean, surely the people closest to us are gonna see it first, right? But here's the amazing thing. Here's the irony. Amazingly, our family are often the people we take most for granted. We'll do things, kind things, sacrificial things for total strangers we would never think of doing for those we care about the most. A man's wife fell and broke her leg coming out of a restaurant, and it was horrible. I mean, it was just a horribly broken leg, couldn't walk, couldn't move, in horrible pain. The man immediately got on his phone and called 911, and the operator said, we'll have someone right over there, sir. And then the operator said, now, where exactly are you? And he said, we're on Eucalyptus Avenue. She said, can you spell that for me? He said, sure, E, uh, A, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, Eucalyptus, uh, U, E, uh, he said, I'll tell you what, what if I drag her over to Oak Street and you pick her up there? <laughs> I've seen some marriages where it was about that much sensitivity. It's got to start at home, folks. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, parents to children, children to parents. I mean, hey, since I'm already deep in trouble, let me, let, me just, let me just meddle a little more, all right? Is your marriage a grace-filled marriage? Or is it based on law, like the old covenant? In my opinion, if there's ever a place on this planet that we need to walk humbly and mercifully with one another, it's marriage. I got a news flash. You are going to disappoint your spouse in some way in what you say and in attitude and in insensitivity. You are going to hurt him or her. Is there grace in your marriage? What about your parenting? Do your kids get the message, you can't fail in this family? You fail, you're smoke, you're done for, you're toast, man. It's one strike, you're out. Is that the vibe in your family? Or do your kids know that they can fail, and disappoint you, blow it? But there's grace there. Yeah, there's standards. Yeah, there are expectations. But there's also grace and unconditional love. Do they know that? And here's what I'm saying. If your life, if your family is not a grace-filled family, it's probably a pretty joyless family as well. Compassion 
compassion has got to start at home. But what about those outside your home? Again, let me say, I just think that it's a huge witness to the world if we could just shed this PR problem we got, we don't get, no, we don't change our message. No, we don't change our morality standards. No, we don't change our worldview. It's biblical. But we could sure help our PR problem if we just showed a little more compassion to people who are hurting. It ought to be second nature, shouldn't it? I mean, hey, if anybody walking this planet ought to be able to excel in compassion, it should be Christians. Why? Why, pastor, do you say that? Because we've received mercy from God. Paul put it like this in Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I, I gotta tell you, my natural response, if I, if I meet a professing Christian, and boy, it's just like, he doesn't have a lot of mercy with people who are fouling up and messing up. I immediately have to wonder, wow, has this dude experienced the mercy of God? Does he, does he understand how much he's been forgiven? Because when you get it, that look, God owed me nothing and he forgave all of my sins. You want to extend that to other people because you realize, you realize you're just a beggar at this banquet. You brought nothing to this party. What are you getting all puffed up about and acting like other people don't deserve mercy? You didn't deserve it. God freely gave it to you. He wants to, you to freely share it with others. <laughs> now, one of the reasons I, oh, so many reasons. I, I'm just impressed with this congregation, with this church family at Saratoga and Half Moon and Latham is because so many of you get this and you really live it out. You make, you make compassion a lifestyle choice. For instance, next Saturday is one of our wonderful Grace in Action events, Saturday, October 15th. And we have 158 volunteer opportunities available that day, 158, and every single one of those has been filled. That is exciting. Let's give God praise for that. Yeah. Every single one of them has been filled. Now, that's exciting. Now, you had other things to do with your time. You had all kinds of choices you could have made for that morning, but you made the choice to say, look, I'm gonna carve out this space in my life. God's been merciful to me. He's been so compassionate. I'm gonna go show compassion by serving someone else who's been kicked to the curbside of life. I just believe that is impressive, and may God be praised for that. But whether you're a part of that event next Saturday or not, let me ask you, what about you? Do you, know any, do you know any people to whom you could show compassion? Again, John just hits us right in the face with the truth. And he says in 1 John 3, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God 
be in him. Do you know anyone who's struggling financially? And maybe you've got a little discretionary income. Maybe you could be merciful and use your money to help someone who's poor or in need. You know, Proverbs says that the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Again, the, the idea there is, look, look, you've received so much mercy and God's given you righteousness and you're pursuing righteousness. You care about people who are poor and struggling. Do you know someone who maybe has a special needs child? They hardly ever get a break from caring and their responsibility. Maybe, maybe you could buy them a gift card to a local restaurant. And maybe if there's a relationship there, maybe you could offer to babysit while the parents go out and just get an evening away and get to enjoy a night out. That, that would be a merciful thing to do. Maybe you know a person with a severe health problem. And you, you wouldn't know how to help them medically or, or physically, but, but you could write them a note. You could lift their spirits with written words and say, I'm praying for you today. I want you to know you are noticed. I see you and I care about you. Or maybe there's someone who's wronged you. They cause pain in your life. Are you going to return evil for evil? Insult for insult? Or, or like a person who's received the grace of God, didn't deserve it, but you received it. Are you going to extend mercy and kindness to them, even though they don't deserve it? That would be an amazing act of compassion. Well, I could go on all day. I believe there are dozens of ways, if we open our eyes, dozens of ways that we can show compassion to people around us. Now, a question. When we do that, is everybody going to go, wow, I've just been waiting for you. Yes, come on in. I received you with open arms. It ain't going to happen. Does it mean that people will always immediately respond with kindness back to you? In January of 1956, five young missionaries went to show compassion to a hostile tribal people who had a, for years, for decades, had a known history of incredible hostility toward anyone who was outside. And that act of compassion cost them their lives. Their names were Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, Roger Udarian, and Pete Fleming. And they came in first with food to try to show mercy to the tribe that was struggling. And then they came in with medical supplies and tried to show mercy that way. And of course, they wanted ultimately to share the gospel as well. But instead of being received, they were speared to death. And these five young men left behind wives and young children. But God used that tragedy to bring souls into the kingdom. Mission agencies say that in the aftermath of their deaths, applications for the mission field went up fourfold. Hundreds and hundreds of people saying, sign me up. 
I'll go give my life for the cause of the gospel in the far-flung corners of the earth. But here's the deal. In the years that followed, through the witness of many family members of those martyred missionaries, many from the tribe, including the murderers themselves, came to genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And through their willing deaths, Christ drew many to life through their sacrifice. Sometimes when you show compassion to people, you may be rejected. That's not the point. The reason we're compassionate is not to just get a response from people. The reason we're compassionate is because Jesus was, and he's called us into a lifestyle of compassion. And I find it kind of interesting that of all the people around the world, in the survey I referenced earlier, the people of Ecuador, of all places, are the most compassionate people in the world today. Coincidence? I doubt it. Compassion that never gets beyond words is easy to ignore, but compassion that flows from a heart of love, it's irresistible. May God make us compassionate people. Father, You've called us to a life of being before we do anything. You've called us to be merciful, a character trait. And then our acts of mercy will flow out of that. Father, thank you for the ways you're working in us and that you're building at Grace a community that not only is known to be passionate for the gospel, but is also known to be passionate about compassion to those who are hurting in this world. Thank you that you're doing that, and may you continue to accelerate it and accelerate it for your glory. May you get the credit, and may people know that God is alive and well because he's living in his people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. amen.